1: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports. Gabe Brooks will be along in just a moment. But first, LSU landed a huge commitment in the 2021 class, and they signed him today as well, marking the completion, really, of the high school recruiting process for this 2021 class for LSU. And that's Walker, Louisiana, Wideout Brian Thomas Jr., a top 100 prospect on both 24-7 sports and the 24-7 sports composite, the number 68th overall prospect in the country, the number 9 overall wideout, number 4 prospect in Louisiana, picks LSU over Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, and plenty of others, bringing to a close one of the more quiet recruitments in the entire country, start to finish. Information was tough to get by, but over the last 48 hours, Seemed like LSU had the buzz finally, and sure enough, Mickey Joseph and the coaching staff pulls it off, keeping Brian Thomas Jr. in Louisiana. To talk more about the 6490 four hundred pounds wideout, I bring in Gabe Brooks, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports. Gabe, welcome back to the pod. I want to get your thoughts on Brian Thomas Jr. Uh, this recruitment was a very quiet one, uh, really start to finish. You had to normally go out to Walker to get Brian Thomas Jr. on the phone. Uh, but nevertheless, he ends up at LSU, a place where he becomes a part of a, what is a really talented wide receiver class. But he brings, in my opinion, uh, something very different uh, to this receiver group uh, that's headed to Baton Rouge. Uh, what are your thoughts on Brian Thomas Jr. and just what LSU is getting?
0: Well, considering his basketball background and the, uh, you know, the very valuable data point that multi-sport not only multi-sport participation uh provides but being a uh, an impact player in multiple sports uh 6'4 guy um you know he's probably at least that 190 he's listed because I know that like two years ago I think he had, he was 185 so chances you know he and like you said he just uh he hadn't been in lot of events ever since that that last recorded number and then all the whole camp thing last off season was wiped out so you know it wouldn't surprise me if if he was even larger than that if he was a 200 plus pound guy at this point but uh, you know what what he really brings is a high ceiling um, production was outstanding his junior year it was solid his senior year uh, you know went down uh, noticeably in, in a per game st- uh, standpoint but when you turn on the tape, he still is showing flashes of of dominance that he showed during his junior year as well. And, you know, the thing about him, with his size and his functional athleticism, is that he he's going to win the ball over you know smaller, overmatched defenders. He's somebody you're going to throw, throw it up to, to go get it in the red zone. Uh, but I think something that that some folks may not realize is how. Uh, athletic, he is. Uh, initially, uh, you know, in the screen game and the short to intermediate game, you know, this is a six-four guy who can string a couple of moves together in the open field. Um, quick-footed laterally, that should raise the ceiling on his route-running ability. Uh, you know, when you look at the whole profile that he possesses as a receiver, uh, it, he's really high ceiling. I mean, he could. He can end up being, you know, he was ranked very highly as it was. I think he was uh, top 70 in the final, top 247 rankings. Uh, and, you know, he really can wind up, you know, making that look like it was low because he, he is very toolsy, you um, really traits based uh, profile as a receiver. And I think that, you know, if he puts everything together, uh, that he's going to be a, an impact player.
1: Yeah, and that's what I see in him as well. If he puts it all together, he's an impact guy. And it kind of reminds me, and I I don't think he's got the top-end speed, but we don't have the testing numbers on it, of a Terrace Marshall when he was coming out of high school. But just kind of that complimentary, not complimentary, but he compliments guys like Deion Smith and Chris Hilton and Malik Neighbors and Jack Besh to an extent in this wide receiver class very well and not to mention that you've got Kayshawn Butte coming back, Coy Moore, some of those guys that got reps as true freshmen this past year. But he's something that I don't think this LSU offense really has now that Marshall's out the door.
0: Yeah, and that's an interesting name to bring up, uh, Terrace Marshall. He He's somebody who probably of receivers that I, I got exposed to in person during their high school careers, Terrace Marshall's probably a top three guy. I saw him dominate a game at the battle on the border against Lufkin and Lufkin is not sure on uh, athletes any any given year and I can see some uh I can see some similarities there and not just the the frame but that ability to make plays after the catch in the in the short game is something that Terrace Marshall really did well in high school and obviously at the next level and I could see Brian Thomas uh, become uh, you know the, he has the tools and the traits and the functional athleticism to become that type of player now when you look at their receiver group as a whole something that's interesting is uh the varied physical uh makeups you know you have a a five eleven and a half guy and a six foot guy and a six one and a six two and then up to a six four it's kind of they you know you kind of have going in ascending order looking at the heights and uh, you know something that i think uh people you know have have thought about uh lately because he he has brought it up in multiple uh, uh multiple environments is Nick Saban saying that he views receivers like a basketball team uh, and I think that's an interesting way to look at it and I think in LSU's case you you have that here you, you have guys uh, you have five really good receivers, not in, not including the the tight end, Jalen Shedd, but you have these five receivers who kind of each brings his own uh, different thing to the table. And uh, I think the thing that you have to be really encouraged about uh, with all of them uh, is there, there's there's definite uh, athleticism. You know, whether it's Chris Hilton and the verified uh, 40 he ran as a sophomore or the high jump numbers. Uh, you know, Deion Smith has verified athleticism. Malik Neighbors, uh, you know, he's another guy who's played uh, played multiple sports. Uh, Jack Besh, I believe, is another multiple sport guy uh, playing, I think, basketball. And uh, I, I want to say there's something else, maybe wrestling or something. I can't remember exactly. But all these guys are, you know, playing multiple sports or running track or getting – uh, putting putting good testing or track times together, and uh, that's just you know the more data points, the better uh, when it comes to evaluating and getting a true sense of uh, what players bring to the table. Uh, you know you, that way you're not just relying on hey, well this is what my eyes tell me.
1: Yeah, and it is a stopwatch type of position, and you know you it, it's interesting. You know people bring up Justin Jefferson, and that's one where you wish. You know that you had that extra data point going back to that senior year of track uh, because he came out and ran such a great forty, uh, coming out and ended up being a first round pick. You look at the first round and and the early rounds of the NFL draft, and it's just littered with receivers that can clock impressive times and and uh, can separate and do all of those things and and do them uh, at a very very high level. And I, I do think that this receiver group really brings uh, that that. Uh, diversity of different talents that can fit into this offense as they try to get back to the 2019 version of the offense, at least, and getting the ball to different playmakers and, and, and having those different threats at different positions. You can move guys like Chris Hilton and, and Deion Smith around in an offense. And not to mention you've got Kayshawn Bute, who I still think is going to be used like Jamar Chase was uh, in in the 2019 season. And you, you might see him in the backfield at times. And then you've got the bigger bodies that we've talked about. So, I mean, this, this receiver class for LSU, I mean, you can put it right near Alabama's. You know, you just mentioned Nick Saban, but you can put it near Alabama's in terms of uh, the talent that it has. I think LSU on 24-7 has – three of the top nine and Bama has like three of the top 12, but Bama has two of the higher rated guys of that group. Uh, it, it's both groups are stacked, but uh, LSU getting Brian Thomas just is that cherry on top for this group.
0: Yeah. The, and it's funny you mentioned that, because I actually did something on uh, the top classes by position uh, this past week. And like you said, Alabama and LSU, Uh, Both right there. And, you know, when I wrote this, Thomas wasn't in the boat yet for LSU. So that was just going with with Hilton and Smith and the, you know, the guys they had already gotten, uh, uh, you know, had already signed and everything. But uh, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State and Oregon uh, are are the ones who really stand out as the top uh, receiver groups uh, in this class. You know, Alabama's got. Um, several guys, Jucori Brooks, Ajayi Hall, Jojo Oro, Christian Leary. Um, but Ohio State, you know, after getting uh, Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and uh, all these other guys the past few years, they're loading up again. And Oregon, uh, you know, they got a couple of guys who uh, I think they're like national top top 55 uh, and then top seven at receiver position. So uh, when you're in the discussion with the with teams like that in this particular cycle at receiver, then you know that uh, you have assembled a pretty strong receiver group.
1: For sure, and it, it's funny. I I am at the point where. I'm enjoying watching the receivers at the top schools more than just about anything. The way these guys are polished nowadays coming out of high school and all the seven on seven they get and, and, and time to work in these offenses. I mean, it, they really are, uh, you know, art. I mean, and, and, and even the way Kayshawn Boutte came on late in this year, but like watching Jamar Chase and Devonta Smiths and uh, you know, just, just so many of these guys that have come out of uh, high school and, and, We've, we've known about them for so long and then they go on and do what they've done now at the uh, college level is really special uh, to, to kind of see, you know, come, come together for them, uh, especially when you know them for as long as sometimes we get to uh, going into their college careers. But Gabe, I want to transition and and move to the big uglies for a brief moment. LSU's landed two offensive linemen out of Louisiana in 2022, so we turn our attention to that class, uh, which looks like it's going to be a, a really strong class in Louisiana, and LSU landed Will Campbell, one of the best offensive tackles in the country, and Beau Bordelon, uh, one of uh, uh, the top linemen in the state, LSU legacy, and both are very different prospects, but I wanted to get your take on on both of them and, and kind of how they fit into this picture at offensive line, which for LSU could be. Very Louisiana heavy for a for a change uh, in twenty twenty two.
0: Well, uh, something you know they are they are different, but something that they have in common is uh, frame potential. They're both uh, both good height, and you know we don't have verified wingspan numbers on these guys right now, but they they look long on tape and they play long, uh, and and that's something. When you're looking for true tackles, that's obviously very important because, um, you know, everybody wants the guy who moves really well in space out, out there on the edge by himself and uh, no man's land against edge speed. But the, in reality, uh, you know, there aren't a whole lot of tackles who can mirror edge speed with their feet. Uh, it's, it's usually um, trying to hold their own from a footwork standpoint while using length to combat that edge speed, and uh, you know, I think that that's something both of these guys have. Now, in Campbell's case, he has shown some pretty uh, impressive, uh, you know, footwork and uh, lateral mobility and activity, and those kind of standpoints that he could he could develop into a true left tackle. You know, as as they say, a franchise left tackle. Uh, at you know one of the most important positions on the field. Um, I think he's a pretty high ceiling pass blocker. You know, the majority of his experience uh, is as a a run blocker playing for Neville because they're always gonna have that, uh, you know, I'm assuming that they're still uh, predominantly running the uh, shotgun power sprint kind of run game that they that they have run uh, in the past several years. And you know the tape that I saw on Campbell, they were still running a lot of that stuff. So, uh, a lot of his exposure so far is, is as a drive blocker. And he certainly shows uh, a lot of potential in that department because he wears his mask well, but he still has a ton of space to add more. Uh, and he, he, he plays physical and strong, uh, even though there's a lot more room to go uh, physically. Um, but having said that yeah his pass blocking ceiling is is pretty high and uh you know as far as uh Borland goes he's he's similar he's you know he's not as far ahead uh as far advanced at this stage as campbell is but you can see why they're willing to take him um he's lean you know i know there's there's going to be times when folks are like why are they taking a guy who's you know six 255 ish you know whatever that whatever he is in that neighborhood but Honestly, I think it tackled, especially um, you almost look for that from an evaluation standpoint, because there's so much, uh, so much, you know, room to go from a developmental standpoint. Um, They haven't put on a bunch of bad weight early, and it's not weight that you're going to have to take off. And as so many of us know, it's a whole lot easier to add weight than it is to, to drop it once it's on. So. Uh, he's somebody that when you you have Campbell in the class, and, uh, and you know you you you, referenced, you know maybe a, a couple other in-state targets on the O line, um, you have somebody like Campbell. You have some other guys who are good. The, he borderline's a guy you can you can take because he is tall. He looks long. Um, he moves pretty well, and he's somebody who. You're probably not going to ask to get on the field immediately, and you can let the strength and conditioning program take over. And who knows, you know, in three years, you may have these two guys starting at your two-tackle spot.
1: Well, that's why we bring you on, Gabe. Uh, we appreciate you you uh, putting in the work, watching these guys as much as anybody and and bringing it on the board. Uh, you also broke down Brian Thomas in an evaluation on the Go247.com message board, so everybody check that out. Uh, as uh, we continue to react to Brian Thomas Jr. jumping on board and what's been a uh, pretty good month for LSU uh, or, you know, month or so on the recruiting trail, both in 2021, but uh, 2022 especially. And this class is just getting going, and we'll be able to bring Gabe, Gabe on and bring uh, his insight and knowledge to the pod a little bit more. And we wanted to change it up for this one and get him on. So, uh, Gabe, thanks for taking the time uh, and talking with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You guys can leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the Go 24-7 podcast wherever you find your podcast listening done. We will catch you guys later in the week with another edition of the pod. But until then, hope everybody stays safe and have a great rest of the week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.